Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? It's good to have you with us. If, as you've noticed, we're finishing a series called The Dark Side, so we were decked out for our Star Wars theme series. And we've been dealing with different dark sides that all of us deal with in our life. Like every one of us have uh, that sinful nature that's called in Scripture, but it's actually a dark side, character flaws that we deal with. We looked at the narcissism of Solomon, right? There was no one greater than before him and the battle with his dad, David. We looked at Moses dealing with his control issues and anger. And we even looked last week, you heard from Pastor Brett Cooper about insecurity and paranoia of Saul. And today I want to talk to you, and we're going to look at the guy named Jonah. So go ahead and turn to your copy of God's Word to Jonah chapter 1. Um, do you know the most told lie by Christians? Like, Christians are really good at lying. Like, they, they, we are great at lying. Even though we're told in Scripture, don't lie. Like over and over again, don't lie. We are experts at it. And you've done this, and I've done this, and you've probably even done it this week, but you've probably told this lie. And are you ready for it? When somebody asks you, is everything okay? You say, I'm fine. Knowing you're not fine, and this problem maybe happened even this morning on the way to church, if you're a couple, right? Uh, are you okay, honey? Because you didn't get this pumpkin spice that she wanted. And she's like, I'm fine. Knowing she's not drinking the coffee, knowing something's wrong. But we end up doing this, and we kind of tell this lie to other people because we're scared to hurt them. And there's a particular type of person that does this. We looked at many different, you know, uh, character flaws and personality flaws through this series. But one type of person who does this more than anyone else is someone who deals with passive aggressiveness. And a lot of our society deals with that because they're introverts. Most of our society are introverts by nature, and they deal with passive aggressiveness. They don't, you know, share how they really feel because they don't want to hurt other people, or they've been taught to not share those feelings. And who we're going to look at today is a guy named Jonah, who you probably didn't, didn't know this about Jonah, but Jonah is the greatest example of passive aggressiveness in the Bible. Like God's like, go do this, and Jonah is like, I'm not going to go do it. He doesn't tell God that. He just ghosts God. He just kind of goes the opposite direction. He does what he wants to do. And what I want you to understand about Jonah that's so important, I want you to kind of just step out of vacation Bible school or Sunday school as a kid. When you learn about Jonah and the whale, it's actually Jonah and the fish, not a whale. Um, I want you to look at what was happening, though. Jonah was angry. He was deeply angered by what was happening to his people, and rightfully so. God told him to go to Nineveh, and we'll look at that in a second. But Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. And Assyria was attacking the northern kingdom of Israel. Jeroboam was a the king there. Jonah lived there. And not only were they attacking it, if you think the Taliban is bad right now in the Middle East, you think they're wicked, which they are, you ought to see what the Assyrians were doing to people, and especially the children of Israel. They were going into the northern kingdom of Israel, they were taking the men and burying them to their necks in sand and cutting their tongues out and leaving them for dead. Their children walking by them, watching their fathers there. They were taking the women and children out and taking them to Assyria. They were just desecrating the land every chance they got. And it was probably so that Jonah's family also experienced some of this tragedy. Maybe he got word that his cousin or his uncle or an aunt or somebody was hurt deeply by what was going on. So when you look at this scripture, you've got to understand what Jonah was facing. God wasn't just saying, go to some arbitrary city called Nineveh and go preach. Jonah was like, no, I don't want to preach. No, Jonah was angry at them. He was hurt by them. 
And to be honest, he wanted them to die. He wanted them to experience the full wrath of God. They don't deserve your mercy, God. And I want you to look at what God says to him in Jonah chapter 1. It says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He didn't tell God he didn't want to. He didn't share his anger to God about how he felt about the Assyrians. He didn't negotiate like my six-year-old does with things, right? Like he just gets up and goes the opposite direction. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Say that five times. That's really hard. Tarshish, Tarshish, Tarshish. That's a hard word to say. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. He said, I do not want the Assyrians to experience your mercy and grace. Because you, you learn later on that he knew if he went and preached to them, they would repent. He knew if he did that, they would experience mercy. And what did Jonah want for his enemies? He wanted them to experience judgment and wrath. And he was upset with God, he was upset with him, and he gets on a ship going the opposite direction, knowing that maybe, hey, look, if I don't go do it, you know what? These guys will experience the wrath of God. See, Jonah was passive-aggressive, and you find out over and over again with his passive-aggressiveness. He just deals with this all through the book of Jonah, always just kind of saying no to God, and doing his own thing, and angry at God because of these people. But what he did and what we do is this, passive-aggressive people find joy in sabotaging someone else. And that's what Jonah did. He sabotaged the Assyrians where he thought he would. He said, listen, all y'all, it's a sabotage. All right, only half the crowd got that. That means my joke wasn't very good. They teach you when you're in preaching class, if only, if only 50% get it, it wasn't good enough. Some of you got it. Now, you have to realize something about my life. When I was in fourth grade, I stopped going to church and never went back again. You know why? Don't judge me now. Don't judge me. I only went back when I got saved. Because I was in, in class on Wednesday night, and I had a Beastie Boys tape, Licensed to Ill, circa 1984. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And the teacher told me the Beastie Boys were of the devil. And I got so mad I did not go back to church, right? I'm serious. I, yeah, so anyway, anyway, I, I digress. Back to Jonah. <laughs> but that's what passive-aggressive people do, and we all struggle with that. Like, like, like we wish hope and harm on our enemies secretly, don't we? Like, oh, like the person who hurt you, like I— you don't want them to, to experience mercy and go off the hook, do you? You would love for them to experience some of the hurt and pain that they've caused you. And that's what Jonah was hoping for the Assyrians. I hope that they will experience some, some pain, some judgment, some wrath. So I'm going to sabotage them. And as I said before, when you're dealing with, with these issues in your life, don't ever look at just what you're struggling with. Remember, Moses dealt with control issues, which had anger that came out. He was aggressive, not passive-aggressive. But people who struggle with control, this is week two, the reason they struggle with control because at one point in time in life, they didn't have control, and they paid for it. Moses didn't have control when he was left by a river by his family, and he had to grow up in Egypt never knowing his parents. And he said, I will never have that happen again. Anytime you deal with anyone, it was, it was narcissism or last week insecurity and paranoia, no matter what you deal with, you've got to know that that comes from something that happened in childhood. It all started in the garden with Adam and Eve, but all of us have a garden in our life where this thing started at. 
And, and, and the first thing you have to understand about passive-aggressive people is this. They push their uh, uh, anger deep down while pushing on. They keep pushing the anger down. They're, able to, they're, like, they're experts at just continuing to suppress it and to suppress it and to suppress it till one day, and you know this, right? If you live with someone who's passive-aggressive, or maybe you are, one day you explode and everybody gets it. And they're key at doing that. Um, and one, one of the reasons why, like, like most you know, people believe this, psychologists, is that passive-aggressive people were never taught to be open and honest about their anger or about negative emotions as a child. They were taught... Stop those emotions. Like, and I do this. I know you're probably guilty of this. My son's, you know, going off on me. He's six years old, and he's angry at me. He's probably just overtired, but he's screaming at me. And I'm like, you better stop that right now. And I'm like screaming at him, and I'm, you know, it's just not very healthy because we're both screaming at each other. I know y'all don't do that, but I struggle. <laughs> but here's what I've learned with him. Let him express feelings and ask him why he feels the way that he feels. And let them express that. If you were like me, you probably grew up with a dad who told you, there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> right? Like, like, like you grew up with a father who said, we don't, real men don't cry in this house, boy. And you were taught to never cry. I saw my dad shed one tiny tear. I'm serious. At his mom's funeral, one tear came out of this one eye. Only time I ever saw that man cry. Like he was the John Wayne of men, right? And we grow up in that, so we learn to suppress our true feelings of how we really feel. And so we go through all through life just avoiding feelings, not dealing with it, and not expressing them to other people. And people who are passive-aggressive just continue to push it down and push it down, and they just keep pushing on. The second thing that passive-aggressive people do is they deliberately procrastinate. That's what Jonah did. Like, maybe if I get on this ship and I get on this cruise and I just go on a cruise for a couple days, maybe God will just burn them up with fire by the time I get back. Like, maybe if I just go to Tarshish, when I get back, it'll all be done. They'll be judged. I'm going to procrastinate. And that's what someone who's passive-aggressive, passive they just deliberately procrastinate. You ask them to do something, they'll say, okay, I'll do it. And they never get to it. They don't respond to the email. They don't text you back. And they just make you wait because they're going to punish you with silence, Right? I know none of you, don't look at your spouse. This is not a marriage series. Do not look at your spouse at all during this series. Do, do, do not. I'm just telling you, the next series is not a marriage series either, either so you're going to be in trouble. And the final thing is this we talked about. They lie by saying, I'm fine. They've learned to calm the situation by saying, no, 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 I, there's nothing wrong. I don't have any feelings to express at all. I'm fine. And that's what Jonah did. Think about it on the boat. Like, the guys knew something was up on that boat. I mean, a storm came in. They're like, look, man, we travel this route all the time. We travel this route because there's not many storms. And now there's storms. Is everybody okay? Johnny, you okay? I'm fine. And it wasn't until finally he had to fess up that he was running from God. And that's what we do as well. We tell people, I'm fine. And here's why this is so important. I told you week one, as we close this series out, I kind of want to just bring this all together, is that it's so incredibly important because if you don't deal with your dark side, eventually your dark side will deal with you. And if you don't destroy your dark side, it could be that one day your dark side eventually destroys you. And so we have to be aggressive at dealing with this, especially with be aggressive at passive aggressiveness. And here's the problem with passive-aggressive people, and if you don't get this, if you continue to try to get your way by avoiding the problem, you're going to end up becoming the bigger problem. If you go your whole life trying to avoid the problem, 
you will end up becoming the bigger problem. Now check this out here for a second. Think about Jonah, the setting of Jonah. The Assyrians, they're the antagonists, right? They're the wicked people. They're like killing families or murdering puppies. I mean, they are like the worst. Like they're littering, they're throwing bottles out the road. I mean, they're just the worst you could imagine. They're not the biggest problem in the story of Jonah. Guess who the biggest problem in the, in the book of Jonah is? Jonah. It was Jonah who believed in God, who was a Jew, who served God. It wasn't the most wicked people on planet Earth. It was Jonah. Why? Because he wanted to avoid the problem altogether. And he ended up becoming the bigger problem because he didn't want to have the conversation. He didn't want to deal with it. He didn't want to have resolution brought to this conflict that he was dealing with. And can I just submit to you that sometimes in God's plan, his biggest problem isn't Satan. His biggest problem sometimes isn't people like the Taliban. Sometimes it's believers. It's you and I. We avoid getting engaged in something or doing something God's called us to do, and we end up becoming the bigger problem in God's plan when he's asked us to do something. See, see, problems never get better by avoiding them. I know you know this. I know this is grade school. You're like, oh, I got this. But we do it all the time, right? And, and this is really important because I experienced this firsthand, and it really messed my life up. My mom died in 2012 of lung cancer. She was at 62 years old and died of lung cancer. She smoked her whole life. And we found out too late that she had stage four cancer. But she was going to see a doctor every year, every six months, right? Like the more I have my annual physical that we all love. Well, she was going. And the doctor wanted to do some x-rays and wanted to do some MRIs and look and see what's going on. My mom said, no, 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 it's all good. I've, I've dealt with bronchitis off and on my whole life. The doctor said, well, let's just you know, give you some medicine for bronchitis. It wasn't bronchitis, guys. My mom had cancer. But she didn't want to do She ended up becoming her biggest problem because she wanted to avoid the problem. And I think sometimes in life that happens to us emotionally, that happens to us in relationships, that happens to us with our health. We're avoiding it, and we end up becoming the bigger problem in the situation. It's like the ostrich. You know the ostrich? They just stick their head in the sand. They're like, if I just put my head in the sand, it will all go away when I come back. And it never does that. We have to be proactive in dealing with those things in life we know that are on the table and we know that we've got to deal with. And there's things God's probably asked you to do, but you're just avoiding it because of some reason in your life. Now, when it comes to these feelings and you've suppressed for your whole life, let me give you a word of advice. I want you to write this down because this has helped me out tremendously. It's this, learn to release your steam before you destroy the dream. Now, I know I'm rhyming a little bit, y'all, and you like my rhymes, right? But I do this for a reason, so over lunch and next week when you need it on Wednesday, you're going to need this on Wednesday, trust me. Learn to release your steam before you destroy the dream. See, Jonah was a part of God's dream, his plan for redemption. And Jonah didn't have anywhere to vent. He didn't go vent anywhere. He just takes off and goes. He, we don't know that he talked to anybody. We, he didn't even talk to God. Remember I told you a few weeks ago about David and the Psalms? David was great at venting. Like all the Psalms were, the Psalms were journals about how bad life was for him and how mad he was at people. That's all it was. I mean, read. read. And then, of course, they all like to praise Psalms. Like, we just praise you, God, and you're awesome. But David would one week talk about praising God, and the next week he's like, the next Psalm you read is like, break their teeth in their mouth. May arrows pierce their hearts. Like, that was his prayer, y'all. But he was able to vent about how he felt about Absalom 
his own son who betrayed him. He was able to vent in those things. And many times we end up destroying the dream of God for our life because we don't learn to release the steam like a pressure cooker. We don't have the proper people to vent to, whether it's a good close friend, a small group leader, a counselor. And we bottle all this stuff up and we struggle and we struggle and we struggle. And I want you to learn to do that, release that steam, because God has a dream for your life. God's not done with you. God has, God has things He wants to do with you. He has a dream for your marriage. He has a dream for your kids. He has a dream for, for the redemptive plan where we live in this community, and we don't learn to release the steam. You could destroy the dream. Now, Ephesians 4.25, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and, and he actually talks about this. He kind of gives them insight in this in Ephesians 4. I want you to look at this, verse 25. He says, stop telling lies. Like, I'm fine. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And I love this. And don't sin by letting anger control you. And this is one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible in Ephesians 4.27. And, and he says, and don't let the sun go down while you are angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil what, what he's saying, I'm going to unpack this. He's saying release the steam. Here's what this doesn't mean. Number one, don't let the sun go down in your wrath, you've heard from the King James Version. It doesn't mean nag your partner and beat on their door and get it right before bedtime. <laughs> We're going to fix this tonight. The Bible says don't let the sun go down in your anger. You know? Like you got a friend you're upset with, and you can call him, you can talk to him at night. That's not what it means. Here's what Paul is saying with a figure of speech with that. He's saying when you bottle up and suppress your anger, it gives a foothold. That word foothold in the Greek means a geographical place of residence. It means this for you. It means you give the enemy a room in your heart with a key. That every time you get offended, you get hurt, you get bitter, you get angry, he comes, unlocks the door, and comes and hangs out for the night, and he just whispers in your ear, and just talk, and, and you know it. You have these imaginary conversations with people, and you're telling them off, and you're just, and you know, you have all the right comebacks for social media in your mind, and you're just angry. And he, he says, don't let the sun go down, go down your anger. He says, you cannot live the Christian life with bottling your anger up. You've got to deal with it in real time in some way, some shape, some form. You've got to learn to release that steam somehow. And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you got to write some letters to people and then throw the, the letter away. Or if you're like me, write an email and then delete it. Don't send it. The worst thing you can do when you're angry is do what? Send a text or an email. But it's taking time to process those emotions. Don't, do not, do not let that steam build up and you begin to destroy relationships and things in your life. And so here, here are three quick things today that have helped me. And I hope this will help you to not be a Jonah Number one is be honest with your true feelings. Just be honest. You know, I, I, I had a ministry coach tell me this because I was really angry because sometimes, you know, people, you know, none of you guys do this or done this, but there's just people in, in, in life will just say really like kind of off-color things to me as a pastor um, that degrade me or, or do it to other pastors and things like that. And I would just get so angry. Like this is like several years ago. And my ministry coach said this. He says, you've got a lot of anger built up. It's like, do you, like, have you ever shared with the person who said this how it made you feel? I said, no, I'd never do that. 
He said, here's a word of advice. I'll never forget this. He said, go to the person, or when they say it, say, hey, look, you know, whatever, Johnny, like, hey, Johnny, listen, listen, listen. I know you didn't mean this, but when you said this or did this, this is how it made me feel. And number one, here's what you do. Give the benefit of the doubt to someone. Well, no, I just know that they're just, no, you may have paranoia if you believe everybody's out to get you all the time. But go to last week's message, listen to it, right? But give that person the benefit of the doubt because a lot of times people don't know that they've hurt you or offended you. They don't know that they gave you the evil eye. You're like, yeah, they looked at me with a scowl on their face. It's like, no, man, they're constipated. Just leave them alone, right? They, they, you know, they got a headache. You know, it's not about you. And learn to go to that person and say, I know you didn't mean to do this, but when you did this, this is how it made me feel. And nine times out of ten, if they're a noble person, have any bit of nobility in them, they say, I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? You know what? I'm not going to do that again because that's trespassing. You know, the Bible says you forgive your neighbor of your trespasses. That's when somebody crosses a line they shouldn't have crossed in your life. And that's what happened. Here's what I've realized over time. Proverbs says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. How many of you believe that wounds hurt? Nobody. Right? If you believe wounds hurt, we've got a knife outside. We're going to cut your arm up when you leave. I love wounds. No, you don't. Nobody likes getting to have open wounds. Wounds hurt. But a true friend will come to you and say, hey, look, I need to talk to you about something because this is hurting our relationship or maybe it's hurting you. And I can trust people who, who are, are, are friends that are faithful and give me some wounds, right? But Proverbs then goes on to say, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. If you always surround yourself in life with people who are just kissing up to you and just tell you that everything's good and that's your inner circle, you're in trouble. You've got to open yourself up to those who will say, you know what, let me talk to you. I can trust someone, and this is so key, don't miss this, I can trust someone who's honest with me about how they feel and they come to me. I can't trust someone who goes to somebody else about me. So when somebody comes to you and they share their feelings with you, feel honored. Feel honored because they trust you enough to come and share how they really feel to you. And in marriage, that is so important to share your true feelings and not— you wonder why that couple of 17 years just dissipated or a couple of 25 just blew— I mean, all, there was never true feeling shared. And if you're going to have great relationships, faithful are the wounds of a friend. That guy, Brett Cooper, who you saw up here, like, I, I only have people I'm in close relationship with. I don't have traveling preachers I pay to come in and preach. It's people who do life with me. And Brett Cooper has spoken to my life many times and said, hey, man, that's, you can't do that. That's not a good idea. That's a bad idea. You need to go fast and pray. And he will cut me. And you know what? In a good way, I cut him too. And I'll say, Brett, man, you got to have that conversation with that person. you got to deal with this thing. Faithful the wounds of her. Be honest with your feelings. I can trust you if you're honest. I can't trust you if you don't share your feelings. Just secondly is this. Stop excusing your anger as righteous anger. We're in the, the generation of outrage, right? I mean, again, go on Twitter. It's nothing but outrage all the time. And everybody believes their anger is righteous anger against that group over there. They're terrible. That's what Jonathan, the Syrians God, ugh, wicked, evil, despicable. God's like, yeah, that's the people I actually I want you to reach. You, you got to love them. No, I'm angry because they kill, they murder, they do this. God said, like, yeah, I, I know that. I, I love them, and I want them to be redeemed. And many times we get more upset about somebody else's issues than we do our own. 
What if we had just as much anger about our issues as we did somebody else's? Jonah was disobedient and wicked. He totally disobeyed God. The Assyrians were totally disobeying God. Jonah was not better than them. And many times we excuse our anger as righteous anger. But yeah, but my anger, you don't understand this. It's like Jesus flipping the tables over. You're not Jesus, man, all right? Just chill. You're not the Justice League. How about turn some anger, anger inwardly towards your own sin and your own shortcomings? Stop being so angry at your spouse about their shortcomings. And how about look in the mirror once and say, you know what? I have some things that I need to deal with. And then you'll learn to deal with those feelings inside. Stop excusing your anger as righteous anger. And then finally, you have to understand this when it comes to releasing that steam. Understand that you're doing this to God, not people. Like, like Jonah was stiff-arming the Assyrians. Ah, no, I'm not. Uh-uh. I ain't doing that. I ain't serving there. I ain't doing that. I ain't, uh, can't stand them. I wouldn't serve on the same team with them. Mm-mm. No, I don't, I don't care if Jesus himself showed up and said, I don't you serve with them. Nuh-uh. I, listen, I would not, you know the example, throw water on them if they were on fire. <laughs> My dad had a different saying. If some of you got it, some of you didn't, you'll get it when you get home over lunch. You're not hurting that person. You're actually hurting the heart of God. Passive aggressiveness is, is a tool of the enemy for us not just to hurt people, but for us to sabotage the plan of God and hurt God. When you get upset with someone and say, well, I, I'm, I'm offended, I'm hurt, so I'm just going to, you know, not show up. I'm going to not text back. I'm going to not email. And God's saying, man, you're destroying my plan. I know you don't like them, but man, I thought me and you were good. And that's what Jonah did. He was hurting God and the plan of God. You got to understand something. You have a choice. And we leave here, we have a choice. Either you're going to be like Jonah or you're going to be like Jesus. Jonah hated his enemies. He wanted his enemies to experience wrath, to experience to be destroyed. Nuke them, God. I have no mercy on them. I'm not going to go preach to them. I don't want them to experience mercy. Jesus said, bless those who persecute you. Jesus said, love your enemies. Matter of fact, Jesus died on the cross and rose again. He experienced punishment for the people that hated him. He came to his own and his own received him not, right? says in John. Jesus was willing to serve those who hated him. And Jesus didn't want to. I tell you this all the time in the Garden of Gethsemane. You see the, the 100% humanity of Jesus and the 100% deity, God. He's 100%, 100% God. He was sitting there. He said, God, I don't want to do it. Jonah said, I don't want to do it. One person took a path in the opposite direction. One took a path toward the cross. And I believe when it comes to things like this, we need the courage of Jesus to forgive some people that we're stiff-arming. And you think it's cute. God's, God, God's not pleased with it, man. He's not pleased with, with the way we treat other people, stonewalling them and cutting them off and doing it. Now, there's some people you do need to cut off in life. Just understand that. But you know, you, you don't need anybody to clarify. You know the people that you need to forgive. You know the conversation you need to have. And we need the courage of Jesus to do that, to go have that conversation to deal with that issue, to stop avoiding the problem altogether, to stop pushing down your feelings and you're suppressing them. 
but if I tell them that, they're going to get mad at me, Kevin. You don't understand. They're going to get angry if I tell them that. But you know what? In a good relationship, that stuff has to exist. And they're gonna ha- you're going to have to experience that in order to have healthy relationships. So for you, what is that? Where has passive aggressiveness hurt you and where is it hurting you? Here's what I do know, church. I do know this. Number one, it won't get solved today. And number two, it's something you're going to need God's help on the rest of your life to deal with. And God's going to open things up to you. He's going to show you these things. And He's going to help you. Like, this is a beautiful thing. I'm not preaching a self-help message. You can't do it. Christianity is when I'm weak, then He makes me strong. And so as we open up about our weaknesses to God and to people, guess what God does? God fills us with His strength to overcome those things and not only fix the issues in our life, but help other people too. So let's pray this morning and ask God's help. Father, we need you this morning. God, so many of us today are struggling with suppressed feelings, with anger, with bitterness, with jealousy, with envy, with all these things we've just suppressed. There are Assyrians in our life, God. I don't know who they are, but Lord, teach us to be more like your son Jesus. Teach us to pray for our enemies. Teach us to ask for blessing and to love them instead of despising and hating them. And Father, I pray out of this message today and out of Jonah's life that as we leave here, Lord, some of us would have some honest conversations with you this week to be open about some things we've never been open to you about, God. And I pray that we would find somebody trustworthy that we could be open with about our feelings, God, of how we're feeling in situations right now. Father, help us to have healthy relationships. You said love you with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Help us, God, to begin to love people by dealing with the things inside of ourselves. God, we love you in this place today. And as we're praying today, church, in this sacred mode of prayer, and even for those watching online, maybe you walked away from your faith. Maybe you experienced a bad version of Christianity. Maybe you got hurt by a church or... Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never surrendered to Him. And you know today is your day. Either you're coming back to faith in Christ, renewing that relationship, or for the first time ever, you're surrendering to Jesus. Right where you're sitting, whether you're in here physically, whether you're at, in your, on your couch online, wherever you're at, I want you, if that's you, to pray this prayer after me. Make this confession of faith after me. And it's saying, God, I admit I'm a sinner. And I admit I need the Savior. I need Jesus. Today, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that He rose again on the third day. And today, I make Jesus my Lord. I repent of my sins. I turn from that old life. And I receive your new life. I receive your Holy Spirit. I receive the good gifts you give me. Now, God, help me live this out. In Jesus' good name, I pray. Amen.